Yeah, right here. So, you see a lot of like... What's your name? Gunner? Gunner? Yeah. Pleasure, Gunner. Nice. Um, so, you've seen a lot of like third-party label verifications for certain stuff in the company. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering what your thoughts are, were on the validity of these. Yeah, really, I mean, it really depends. And some of them are really just a marketing ploy, to be honest with you. Um, I can't really call anyone out here, so I'll be as vague as I can. Um, but most of them are, sadly, uh, a marketing ploy, but I am uh, working with GNC to create a solid, Verification programs. Yeah, but, you know. Verification, verification is great, but again, you know, the bottom line is really education. You know, you, you know, we, we, like I said, the reverse was happening. That some manufacturers in the supplement industry wanted consumers to be ignorant so they can do those things. You know, oh, I just put a bunch of aminos in there. You just measure the nitrogen, nobody knows, you know? Just throw some niacin in there. They'll get itched, you know? Like, there's all these tricks that, you know, they do just to make money, but, you know, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of, sadly, it's a lot of marketing, unfortunately, so. Yeah, of course. Yeah, in the, in the black in the back. What's your name? Trent. Trent? Yeah. Trent? Pleasure, man. Thanks for coming. As you're climbing your ladder of success, what are some tips or tricks that you learned to help others be successful? Uh, yeah, so the question is, you know, what, what, uh, as I climb the ladder of success, I'll uh, start with the word success, uh, what are some tips or tricks that I've learned? So, the, you know, the first thing I'll address is, what is well, what's success? You know, what is, uh, what is success? It's you know obviously different to uh, many different people. I think the fact that um, I'm standing here talking at the University of uh, Wisconsin's Cross is is uh, success. Being successful, this is really you know being able to reach a, a big audience is the success that um, I that is what I consider my my success. It's not the you know some companies doing great, um, but that's not really what you know what I consider successful. I think being successful to me is the fact that, like I said, I'm here speaking at the University of Wisconsin about weightlifting and nutrition and what I love to do. This is my hobby. I'm here talking about my hobby. When I uh, sit in LA traffic every once in a while, because I don't really have to go anywhere, thank God, I feel so horrible for those people who are sitting going to their offices, whether they're a lawyer or whatnot, I, you know, maybe that lawyer is the best lawyer and that's what he loves to do, but he certainly doesn't look like it when he's sitting there in his car. And I, you know, I don't, I, my job is my, you know, my career is my, that's what I do. It's, I don't go to an office and work while I'm thinking about baseball, you know, like, or weightlifting, you know, I'm not, in my office, I mean, obviously I am thinking about weightlifting, but I'm not going, geez, I wish I was, could be at the gym instead of working on this paperwork I need to turn, you know? So that's really what I consider being successful is being able to do what you want every single day and, uh, you know, being able to educate people about it as, as well. So, um, but as far as, you know, tips uh, and, and, you know, for me, it's really it's back to the education. Learn as much as you can. You know, no education is wasted. Whether you, you know, started because you thought you wanted to go into law, and then you decided to, oh my God, I love training, I want to go into exercise science. That law, the time you spent, either in law school or preparing for law school, is not a waste. Nothing, nothing is a waste. You know, you're going to learn something in every class. Take as many classes as you can. Don't just look at your student. Don't just look at what are the required, what's the required classes to graduate. Well, what are the other classes that would help you get a better understanding of nutrition, more biochemistry? What would help you have a better understanding of physiology, 
uh, a comparative physiology course, believe it or not. One of the best things to study is comparative physiology. Because really, when you understand other uh, animals' uh, functions and the way that their bodies work and the little tricks that they have, it's like, the, you know, why does a penguin's feet stay warm? Does anyone know? It's due to how close the veins and the arteries are. It literally warms the blood that's going back to the body. It's physiology. When you learn that, you learn that distance matters. Distance matters in a cell. Why, why are slow twitch muscle fibers so small? That size is efficiency. It's efficiency too. There are, so when you start thinking about the way that other organisms and animals use these tricks, it teaches you better how to better understand the human body. So education is really never, ever miss a chance to learn. You screwed up, guess what? Learning. You just learned something. You learned what not to do. Seriously, turn everything into you know a learning experience. I was telling you, uh, I did these GNC drop-bys, and a lot of times they're in the mall. And, and uh, a lot of Jim Army happened to be working at, you know, whether it's the Apple store or whatnot, and they asked me the same thing. And I said, you know, what do you want to do? What, what, what drives you? What are you doing right now? What are you learning? And then you worked at Apple. I said, what are you learning right now at Apple? What are you learning? What do you learn at that job? You're learning something, whether you realize it or not. Start thinking about that because that stuff starts getting applied as you go. You know, if you want to be, people say, oh, I want your job, I want to do what you do. I'm like, well, what I do is, you know, is sort of unique. I don't really have a job title. What, what I do, but learning every day, whatever it is. The reason that I'm able to reach so many people and educate so many people is because I have a passion for writing. So I took a passion for writing and a passion for science and a passion for strength training and exercise science and combined it. So, but that was something I learned long before I got into exercise science was how to write. But it was something I learned and took with me and now I use. So you never know what you're gonna learn what you're going to be able to use as a tool for your your career, and it's you know that's sort of you know when people say I want to do what you do, it's like you need to do your own thing. You don't need you need to not worry about following someone else's footsteps. It's about creating your own niche. Are you going to be an exercise scientist? Well, what are you going to bring? to the lab, what, you, what, 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 what sets you apart from other exercise scientists? What is it? What is it that you do? What interest can you bring that's gonna set you apart in what you do? Is really, you know, is really probably the best, best tip I, I can give you. Yes? Uh, can you say your name? Sean? How's it going, Sean? Have we done before? You look familiar. Guy to kid. Yeah, so I, you know, when I was in high school, I graduated high school in 1986. And in 1986, exercise science was basically jogging. They studied aerobics. Seriously. They, American College of Sports Medicine did nothing but study aerobics in 1986. Does anyone know who Bill Kramer is? In 1986, Bill Kramer was not Bill Kramer. Bill Kramer was my undergrad advisor at UConn. He was freshly out of school. Fresh out of school, but was so excited about weightlifting. And I had this advisor who would talk to me about growth hormone and testosterone. I was like, holy crap, what? What's going on? Seriously? This is what you're doing? Oh my God. But no one knew who he was then. Because no one was studying strength training. 
and exercise science. No one was. But I was there in athletic training. I was getting a degree in athletic training. So I, when I was in high school, like I said, in 1986, there really wasn't like strength training science. I knew I wanted to study exercise something. I didn't know if I wanted to be an orthopedist. I'm also an artist, so I, I applied to art school. I was also going to be a medical art, like a you know medical illustrator. But I'm very interested in you know, muscle and, and drawing anatomy. So I had a lot of interest, but like I said, when I was reading Muscle Fitness and learning about muscle fibers and how muscle gets stronger and faster, I'm like, that's, I think that's what I want to do. So like I said, there wasn't really a clear... I, my, you know, I couldn't go to my high school advisor and say, I want to be an exercise physiologist. That really didn't exist then, you know? But I knew I wanted to do something with exercise and science. That's what I knew. And so I thought orthopedist, you know, sports medicine. That's really, and so I went to the University of Connecticut for sports medicine, athletic training. I worked with basketball, UConn basketball team, taking a lot of, lot of ankles. A lot of ailments. But I've learned sport injuries. So now when somebody tweets me and says, hey, I've got my ankle, what could it be? Yeah, I know how to, I know how to break down an ankle injury. Not just physiology or nutrition, but injury. And then, after I graduated and started learning about strength from Bill Kramer, he told me, you should go to Auburn, Auburn University, Alabama. They've got a strength lab. Bill Kazmaier, world's strongest man, is a gym in Auburn. He goes into the lab. We would study Bill Kazmaier at Auburn Strength Lab. So that's when I was working on biomechanics. So I was studying strength biomechanics. Well, the strength lab, because of politics, sort of crumbled and after a year, uh, everyone sort of left Auburn. I ended up at a small school following someone who had gone from Auburn to Georgia Southern University. I wanted to learn more nutrition. So I was in the exercise phys department beginning a minor in nutrition, but my master's thesis was on meeting chain triglycerides, which is coconut oil. This is back in 1991. Uh, I was studying you know, meeting chain triglycerides. So, that's where I learned nutrition. I learned a lot of genetics. Took a lot of comparative physiology there. Uh, organic chemistry, ton of biochemistry while I was there. Uh, and then I actually worked for a while. I was a fitness director in Atlanta at Bally's. Uh, and I was at another gym in Buckhead. Then I did some cardiac rehabilitation down in Florida and wellness. I ran a wellness center while I was applying uh, for doctoral programs, and then went back to UConn because Bill Kramer was at Ball State, but coming back to UConn. And so uh, I was able to work on a project uh, with him and with Tim Sheep, the big red-headed guy over here. We did our doctoral work together at the University of Connecticut, and I recently stole him uh, from academia. So so I got my doctoral work at uh, University of Connecticut. Uh, but while I was at UConn, um, I, I was working for uh, the Yale School of Medicine. There's a, a lab called the John B. Pierce Foundation. And they're doing a lot of uh, thermal heat research. In our UConn lab, UConn lab, we do heat, uh, resistance training, endocrinology, uh, cold. Uh, we were looking at altitude. We were doing a lot of stuff with the the part of defense. Uh, so I had a lot of experience with, you know, environmental uh, physiology as well, which is why, you know, I can give recommendations on, on heat tolerance and whatnot. I, I studied that, <laughs> that as well. And then because I was at uh, Yale, I was looking at, although it was heat tolerance, were, was gene activation in, in the liver and how that regulates albumin and other uh, blood proteins in fluid regulation. Uh, but another lab in the, in the same building was looking at metabolic genes. And so I was using some of their equipment, and so that turned into my postdoc. And so then I ended up doing my postdoc 
there uh, at Yale School of Medicine while I was writing for Muscle and Fitness. And then I was at Yale for two years and Muscle and Fitness offered me a position as a science editor. That's sort of when I left. So that's sort of that much. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right here in the middle. What's your name? Alex. Alex? So the question is, what's my recommendation? What's my recommendation for protein pre and post workout? Any time of day you would recommend protein supplementation. Oh, protein, yeah. So just protein supplementation. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firm, firm believer in pre and post supplementation. Uh, you can argue, you know, all you want about the post workout window. I'm a firm believer in the post workout window, and one of the reasons is, is the, um, you know, we sort of talked about this uh, in the lab today is, is the subjective measures. You know, when you refuel after a workout, you feel better. You know, there's definitely, so there's subjective measures to, to the post-workout uh, window as well. But my recommendation is pre and post, clearly as the, as the most critical time points. I recommend somewhere around 20 grams pre, and then 20 to 40 grams post, obviously bigger you know, the bigger, I, you know, the thing with recommendations, what I do, it's different when you're working with an athlete versus when you're writing an article and you're expecting a million people to read it and use it. The recommendations have to be sort of, you know, easy to follow for most people. So that's why I don't break it down like 0.2 grams of protein per, you know, within a ball, you know, within a ballpark, you don't have to get that exact with it about 20 grams pre, 20 to 40 grams post. Uh, you can also uh, consider the research now that is showing that, you know, a nighttime protein shake with some slow digesting protein does actually enhance muscle growth. I think there's, uh, I think there's just a third study out now on that one, so showing that, in fact, getting that nightly protein may enhance muscle growth. So. And then, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, is I'm pre-post-workout because I'm a firm believer in getting those, the way the casein blend is a better blend around workout, pre- and post-workout. rest of the time of day, as long as you're getting enough protein, you only need a protein shake if you just can't eat enough protein. So, but like I said, my only, my only true recommendation for when you want to go with drinking Protein shake versus eating food would be pre and post workout. But and again, you you could argue that you go with milk or cottage cheese. You know, you're getting away in your casein right there. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, What's your name? Joey. Joey, how's it going, Joey? Good. Yep. Uh, what should I change to make it more effective? Well, you want you so so creatine is going to need an an insulin spike to be taken up by the muscle. So you either want it with fast digesting carbs, or better, I would do like a protein. That way, you don't need so many carbs. So the right, you know, if you look at the research, the the carb amount is pretty like five grams. You need like ninety, you know, close to hundred grams of carbs fast, which is ridiculous. You don't, you know. However, if you go with, you know, a protein shake, the leucine from the amino acid, the leucine spikes insulin as well. So if you go with a protein shake and some carbs in the morning, have you, and you know what, you know, it doesn't, look, it, it, you can just, you know, don't worry about getting dextrose in the morning if you want a piece of fruit. You know, have fruit and a protein shake, creatine, you'll be, you'll be fine. Yeah, of course. Yeah? Hey, uh, Name? Nick. Nick. How's it going, Nick? Great. Um, so I run a chain of supplement stores yep. here in the state. So your, um, your whole presentation is kind of right on you know, for my whole life, essentially. Thank you. Um, you know, it's good to see someone you know, buying into the whole, we got to make the industry safer and all that. Um, but also, what, what I enjoy about the industry and my position in it is kind of seeing all the inside knowledge, learning everything that's going on. Um, so 
first. For you, it was kind of a two-part question. I understand, you know, everything that's going on, you're not able to talk about it. Well, one, what made you decide to leave um, audiobuilder.com? And then what were the main factors for choosing, you know, exclusivity at GNC versus distribution to small guys like me? Yeah, yeah, of course, sure. So, so uh, from business question, so I had a, so the deal with, with bodybuilding.com is, you know, I, I had a good relationship. I've known, I knew them when they were in a garage. They were literally selling supplements out of their garage. The DeLuca brothers, Ryan, I've got a great idea. I'm going to sell supplements online. And selling it out of his garage. It's called bodybuilding.com. I'm not a businessman by any means, but my biggest business mistake was to laugh at bodybuilding.com. I'm like, why would you call it bodybuilding.com? That name is just, it's not, you know, like I'm, I'm at Muscle Fitness. We're running away from the name bodybuilding. Nobody, bodybuilding, they think of guys in, in you know, bathing suits and oil. That's not, you know, like, but, so I've known them for quite a while. So, um, and I had a decent relationship. Um, with Ryan, but um, what had happened was, you know, because I have I have many, you know, video series on bodybuilding.com, and they're a retailer, so it made sense for me to use them as my main retailer. So, because I can't worry about inventory and how much to order, I basically licensed bodybuilding.com the right to order my products from the manufacturer without me having to, okay, you can order another 20,000. It was just to facilitate the, you know. When the three-year deal ended, I said, okay, I've been exclusive for three years. As we talked about three years ago, when the three years is over, I'm going to sell wherever I want, Amazon, GNC, whoever, whatever. That's none of your concern. Bodybuilding.com had a new CEO who decided, you're not going anywhere. And I said, well, that's not up to you. And he said, maybe not, but I'm going to make it miserable for you. And so they've decided that despite the fact that the contract that states that in three years they can no longer continue ordering manufactured products and selling it, we're going to continue doing that. And we're not going to pay you for it. So, you can understand why I left bodybuilding.com. <laughs> so, and why did I go to GNC again? You know, GNC, it's, like I said, I, you know, Joe, Tim is my Tim's my, we've got, did our PhD. He's my other science guy. We do all the science stuff. Joe is my chief operations officer. I have a business partner who's back in LA. I've got a videographer and a camera. That's the team. That's it. That's Jim Supplement Science. Right there. So for me to sell to you and then sell, you know, at this stage, I just don't have, I don't have the manpower, and I'm, you know, I, I really want it. It needs, I need, I oversee literally every, every step of everything I oversee. So to be able to do that, um, you know, I need some things to be facilitated for me at this stage. So that's why. So GNC, but my my goal is to make gym supplement sites available to anyone who wants it, as many people as possible. And so I need a retail presence on shelves, and I need an online presence. So, you know, my online presence went crazy. So I'm now working with Amazon online, and, you know, GNC is the biggest retail chain, so it gets to the most people. So that's really where it is at this, at this stage. Remember, this, I launched this line only three years ago. You know, this, for, you know, and I, I didn't even have Joe or Tim when I launched it. It was literally myself and my business partner. That was it. 
You know, and I do everything, literally everything. Every word on the label is written by me. Everything. You know, that's the only way it works. You know, you, if you don't oversee every, I'm putting this in my body, so I want to know where I'm getting every raw material from, you know? So it's, it's you know, it's critical. But, so that's why, sort of in a nutshell, why I left, uh, to, to put it plain and simple. So is that, did I hit everything? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want my question kind of, you know, mis, mistaken. No, no, not at all. No, 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 yeah. Yep. Say, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, so so vitamin, yeah. So GNC, obviously, more there's more stores. Vitamin shop. I know they're uh, the sports nutrition. You know, I've been involved in this industry for a long time. I've I've written for whether you know it or not, under a different name. I've written for literally every magazine, every in-store magazine. So I know vitamin shop people very well. They're really going away from the sort of, you know, selling other brands to more focusing on their own and more of the health than the performance side. So that really didn't make much sense. And GNC, you know, when I laid that out to them, what I expected, they're, they were willing and able to, you know, stand by me and say, we're going to do it. They're, they're literally dropping the number of brands they sell by. I don't know what it's it. Joe, you know? It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, they're going down to what? Like, you know, double digit uh, brands, right? Like, yeah. Selling. That's it. They're, they're going to know they want to eradicate the proprietary blends, the concentrates, all that. So, so, the, so that's, you know, the other reason. Because, you know, to do something like this, I, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, I, I've always been connected with an institution, whether it be University of Connecticut, Yale, Muscle and Fitness, Bodybuilding.com. If, if no one else is saying, yeah, he's the, he's the expert, it's just me on a YouTube page going, hey, I'm the expert. Listen to me. You know what I mean? So I always need to be tethered to, you know, some other organization who's saying, yeah, he, he, he's not just saying he's the expert, we're saying he's the expert, and with this sort of educational push, because literally, I'm the, I'm the supplement industry's biggest enemy, they hate me. There's not a supplement manufacturer out there that doesn't want me gone, and believe me, you, you won't believe the number of lawsuits that I have on me, they're trying everything, everything to put me put me down. So <laughs> so I you know I need I need someone with some muscle that's gonna push for this education, really make you know, really make a change. So and you know I hope, you know, again, you know, that's G and C. I, I don't have a I don't it's I don't have a you know a deal with them other than they're my, you know, right now my exclusive in-store retailer, but you know, like I said, that's their word they gave me, so I'm I'm hope I'm hopeful that they're good to their word and that we can make some real change in this industry because I really can't do it by myself. So yes, what's the name? Gunner. Gunner. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. We we met before. Or is it just online? I'm asking a few questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, I'm numb. I mean, I have numerous. You know, if you follow me, I'm, you see me traveling. I'm not traveling for GNC. I just do those GNC events because I'm traveling for business. So I'm meeting uh, literally every week with different, you know, from bars to um, performance foods. So um, you know, I'm continuing to push push that. Out. 
envelope with with the innovation and not just in supplements but with true like performance foods you know using food as a source of actives giving enough actives where you're actually getting a benefit whether it's you know beads what you know what 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 happened so that's sort of but you know really the the brand itself is sort of you know you know, I'm working on technology as well. So we're, Tim, you know, one of the things that, that Tim is doing is, is helping with app development and creating the app to make it, you know, more usable. I mean, my goal is to literally have an app where you take your phone, you take a picture of your lunch, and it calculates your protein, carbs, and fat. An app where you put your phone up and you do your squat and it breaks down your form and tells you, you know, what you need to change. So, you know, every, you know, everything fitness from, like I said, training, uh, technology, nutrition. So it's, you know, it's pretty much, you know, anything, health, fitness, sports. You know, this is just too fun for me, you know what I mean? There's just so much out there that, you know, we haven't even uh, uncovered, you know, we were, talking in the lab today, it's like, you know, I used to be lab scientist, that's what I used to do. Now I'm still a scientist, it's just different, you know, I get my data, you know, different ways, and, I, and the innovation that I'm working on is, is different, so, so expect a lot, a lot. In the back, straight sure. Chris. Chris, how's it going? Good, uh, I'm from Yep. Yep. Well, you know, a lot, yeah, actually, I'll tell you, I have, I have a number of people who do um, half marathons and 5Ks that swear by the pregen because the ingredients that are in there are enhancing your endurance as well. So, I mean, caffeine is, is well known to be, you know, effective. The N-acetylcysteine can help with sodium potassium pump and preventing fatigue, which is one of the ways that fatigue sets in. So it definitely can help uh, with fatigue. I'm not trying to sell you on the supplement, but just but I'm but I'm just talking about ingredients wise, as far as you know. And obviously, you know the the most common supplement for long distance athletes are carbs. I mean, you, know, it's, you need that fuel source, you know, especially if you're ultra. Or you know, long distance runner. So, but they definitely, definitely, as the lab can tell you, there are definitely ingredients that can help improve performance for long distance running as well. So, Thank you. yeah, of course. Yeah, name? Uh, Ryan. Ryan. Have we met before? No, I've seen you a few times at the Arnold. But okay. But uh, do you have any advice for someone looking to break into the fitness and supplement industry, like career-wise? Yeah, what, what, like, how so? Like, what do you want to, what's your sort of goal? Ideally, I'd kind of start in sales and marketing, getting an understanding of how it <coughs> work and how I would go about it, and then potentially start my own line of stuff later on down the road. Yeah, well, so what are you studying now? Right so now, I have a nutrition minor that's about the best I can do to relate to Well, I know about business too, right? Yeah. You need, so I would say you definitely need business. I mean, that's, I, don't, I have no business education whatsoever. But my goal really wasn't to get into, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just an educator. I just, just stumbled into doing, you know, I, I'm a businessman by fault, by, you know, I just sort of stumbled on it. But you're telling me you want to get into business, so I'm telling you I would definitely get a business background because then when you apply for jobs at different southern companies, they're going to look at somebody who has a nutrition, you have a nutrition background and a business background, and clearly you train. Oh, they're going to hire you in a second. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Get, get some business knowledge. And then you've got, well, you got nutrition, business, your ideal candidate. You know, they, you know, we want. Whenever I, whenever I meet someone like it, if I have to meet a new executive at GNC and he walks in the room and clearly lifts, I'm like, thank God. 
<laughs> somebody who understands, you know, I can relate to and understand. That's a sort of your marketing. Yeah, get some business knowledge and you'll be a shoe and trust for whatever first job you apply to. Yeah. What's your name for? <laughs> Parker? Carter. Carter, sorry. So I'm, I'm, all, I'm a, I have beta alanine and pre gen and post gen because you need, you need multiple doses of beta alanine. So if you get enough, four grams, four grams a day is what I recommend. Beta alanine, kind of like creatine, you know, it has to, the levels have to get high enough, and so it takes time to build up. But after a few weeks, you'll start seeing results. I mean, the, if you look at uh, the research of uh, studying boxers, and what they find is that beta alanine, what it does is it prevents that fatigue in later rounds. So they, what they do is they measure their power, but instead of beta, you know, taking beta alanine, oh, increased my power, it doesn't do that. What it does is, in the third round, you know, when all that power goes and you're barely making contact, the guy who's taking beta alanine is hitting much harder because he's able to maintain power. So definitely can have an impact on our early population, depending on, on what the sport is. Yeah, like I said, it depends on the, you know, I wouldn't expect it to increase your sprint performance right off the bat, but it might, you know, like uh, the study did with, they did with, the, with my pre-gym, they showed that the power, even though it didn't change really sprint time, but the power that they were able to sprint with was maintained better. So, you know, those are things that are, you know, important. And again, you know, it depends on the athlete too and the level that they're competing at. You know, you're talking about world class athlete, you know, a minuscule advantage at that level could, you know, be a big difference. But again, it depends on the event. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't need to ask. Well, not luckily got out, but that, <laughs> some people love academia. I, I, you know, the reason I, I mean, I really thought I would love, I mean, I was really expecting to be a tenured professor at this age, you know? I mean, that was really what I was expecting to go into. So, so as somebody who's about to step into academia, how would you Yeah, so it's a great question. So basically, you know, sort of how do you keep your feet in sort of both, you know, academia, but sort of private sector at the same time. So it's, you know, it's always tricky. Um, you know, I've, you know, I don't know, you know, like I said, it's hard to give specific advice because, you know, life just sort of happens. You know, like, I literally, if you had asked me five years ago if I would create a supplement line, I would have told you no. No. I don't want people to think that, you know, I want, I want to be, you know, I want my credentials, my, you know, to be an unbiased, you know, expert. That's, you know, that's why I use social media to educate people. You know, they can trust they're getting an answer. So I didn't want to sell supplements because I didn't want people to lose the trust and think I'm only making supplements to make money. The supplement, like I said, when I started seeing all this crap, I'm just like, I can't even get anything. You know, so it's really hard to give, give advice like that because, you know, life just sort of evolves and happens and, you know, you can't really, like I said, you can't plan everything. Um, but, you know, I think the best, the best thing will you know, first of all, you, you live. So that's that's most you know most critical is is living. You know what you preach, right? If you're going to be a strength 
expert. You better show me you've got some strength yourself. You know what I mean? So I think living it, uh, you know, adds to those credentials. It keeps you like um, Ryan. What is Ryan? Like Ryan? Like I was telling Ryan, companies just want that. They want the guy who lifts and has a background. They want you. Trust me. The the you know the realtor. Keep lifting. That's really all all you need to do. Keep lifting. You know, especially you know if you get a name for yourself in the powerlifting world and you're in academia. You know, um, who who's the powerlifter? Um, what's his name? There's a couple. Brad. What? Brad. Yeah, <laughs> Brad. Uh, Willingham. What? Willingham. No, the researcher. Not. No, John Fultzkin. <laughs> Big guy, research guy, Tim. Brian. Brian. Brian Mann. What? Brian Mann. No. Come on. What was that? Big guy, NSCA, ISSN, huge, dark hair. Darren? What? Darren? Darren Willoughby. Oh. Yeah, like Darren, you know Darren Willoughby? Nah, he's a thought. No. He's a powerlifter, right? Bodybuilder down at Oh, is he bodybuilder now? Yeah. But anyway, I mean, you know, he's, he's, again, but he lives, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? It's obvious that, you know, so, you know, private companies want the guy who not only knows it, but lives it. So, you know, I mean, that's probably the best advice I can get there. Is keep doing that. Because I know, you know what I mean? I know. So, I, you know, that's what I'm saying. When I, when I see it, it's just like, yeah, you're one of us, you know. You're also smart, but you're, you know what I mean? Like, and that's that, you know, and I, and I think that's, you know, that also is, uh, you know, one of the reasons that I have such a big following is because I don't talk like, you know, I'm a scientist. I just talk like we're legit, you know. Break it down and simple, you know. Yeah, of course. Yes. What's your name? Melissa. Melissa. How are you doing? Um, I'm a subscriber to your site. For Thank you so much. Um, Great to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for coming. Yeah, definitely. I'm doing my thermal right now. Nice. And I just finished uh, the first phase. Yeah, yeah. Force for you. Um, so now you're going to go back to the total of 15. Sure, go right ahead. Okay. Yeah. Remember, like I said, I'm writing programs that many people have to be able to use. So little tweaks like that, you know, based on your recovery, right? You're gonna be different. You don't have to you know, that's you know, most of my programs are really like, you know, the foundation to start with. And then what you want to do is tweak it. Now, you know, that's that's the key to education is you know, my my biggest uh, compliment is when, you know, I don't have many clients because now, now these days, but, you know, I'll take a few, like, high-profile clients, but my biggest compliment is when they no longer need me. You know, and I'll tell them. I'll quit on them. I'll say, you you got this. You, you know what you're doing. You don't need me to keep telling you, you know, what to be eating because you're eating it and you're able to, you know, so... Is learning how to make it fit for yourself, and that's really the key. You know what I mean? Because I, you know, I can help you, but I'm not with you every single day. Only you know, you know, which is why for me it's so easy to maintain my body because you know I can ask Jim Stepani by the second. Oh, what should I do now? You know. So you know, but but everyone has to. You know, obviously, depending on. You know how much knowledge you have, but the one thing you should be knowledgeable about is your own body. You know, people say, you know, I know you recommend doing this. However, when I do it this way, I get better results. Well, you just answered your own question. You know, do it the way you get better results. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, I'm Colton. Colton, nice to meet you.
But you know, I'm a, you know, I'm I'm a um, variety guy. I am, you know, if you're a plumber, you don't show up with just a hammer, right? Oh, what's the problem? The toilets stuck. Here, use a hammer. What's the problem? You know, we don't have any hot water. Use a hammer. No, right? You, the, 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 you know, there's tools that work. And we have so many tools. Why would you not use one or exclusively use only, you know, one way? Like the Smith machine. You can argue all you want about the Smith machine, whether it's good. But there's certain things on the Smith machine that you can do that are actually beneficial. Yeah. Some people just say, oh, you should never use the Smith machine ever, ever, ever. Don't ever even look at it. You can't even look at it. Why? That's just a resistance machine that goes straight up and down. You can't think of anything good to do with that? No? No? It's not a guy. It's guided. Yeah, I know. It's not your exact biomechanics, but you can't think of anything you can do on there. So you're just going to ignore it and not use it? Okay. So I'm all about, you know, variety. There's no, like, you know, I get this question. What's the best exercise for legs? The one you're not doing. That's the one. What's the best rep range to grow muscle? The one you're not using is the best one. You know, if there's no tricks, there's no, it's variety. It's periodization. It's constantly, you know, changing it up. The power lifter doesn't always want to go in and bench in the two to three rep range. Believe it or not, that's not the best way to get strong. You know, we now know that, you know. So I'm, I'm about using a variety of tools, whether it's bands, whether it's the Smith machine, whether it's kettlebells, dumbbells, medicine balls, you know, use it. Use it all. Be creative. So yeah, I don't have any, you know, yeah, I know there's strength teams that only use kettlebells. And I'm like, how do you overload on the squat? Your kettlebells only go up so heavy. You know, you there's how could you, and this, I'm talking about a football team. A football team that doesn't, like you said, they don't do back squats, no, they only, only kettlebells. Like, that is just ludicrous. Uh, you know, I think, you know, you know I, I try, I, you know, I really try not to like pick on experts or say, you know, this is because like we're all, we're all, you know, exercise is good, I'm about fitness. You know, like people ask me, what if that ab roll, what do you think of that? Well, if you used it, you could actually, yeah, it would be good. If you used it, follow the diet. So, you know, I'm the guy who always thinks of the sort of positive thing. But, you know, I think mean, some experts just want to be like, you know, I'm going to show how different I am, and I'm only going to use kettlebells. You know, and it's just sort of the, you know, I, like the prove of, you know, I'm so smart, we can only, you know, I'm going to show you that we only need kettlebells. You know, I think what it really does is it sort of uncovers their ignorance in that, you know, they don't know how to use those other pieces of equipment or don't want to take the time. You know, that's the thing. Like, when most people don't like something, it's because they don't understand it. You know, when everyone is like, no, that's the machine. Yeah, it's because you don't understand what you can do with the guided weights. There's, there's benefits that you can use. So, yeah, I don't really have any, any of that. The green. Yeah, uh, my name's Terry. Terry. Where do you see self contention in the year 2030? 2030, huh? Not 2020? Yeah, <laughs> too soon, right? <laughs> you know, um, it's, you know, it's really hard to say because, I mean, think about creatine, right? How long is probably the most effective? ingredient in sports performance, right? It's, nothing's really come along that sort of, you know, outperform creatine. How many years? So I don't know that there's going to be that much different. What I do think is going to happen is that is there'll be far fewer brands. I think what we'll see is you'll start seeing these sort of fly-by-night companies starting to dwindle away as, you know, the ones that are still peddling the concentrates, you know, hoping that 
the guy comes on their website, doesn't actually read anything. You know, those are going to start dying away as we get smarter and smarter consumers. So I think we'll have fewer brands out there. I think what we'll end up doing is just having you know, a few major supplement brands. But again, you know, it's hard to make hard to really say. I definitely think we'll, in 2030, it'll be a much safer, uh, it's probably something that we all probably better relate with by 2030. I'm hopeful that is. So. I'm going to work like hell to get there, so that's for sure. Yeah. Deverick? Nice to meet you. Sure, yeah. So I'm a big intermittent fast thing guy. My, the lab at, at Yale, we actually did a lot of uh, fasting research in both humans and uh, animals. And what's really impressive is the way that it increases what's called uncoupling proteins. So the uncoupling proteins, that's one of the things I actually studied at Yale School of Medicine was the gene activation of these uncoupling proteins. And what the uncoupling proteins do is, for those of you who know your, your uh, metabolism, they poke holes in the mitochondria. So the mitochondria in muscle cells, for example, is where we produce energy. It takes fat and carbs and basically burns it. If you think of mitochondria, it's like an uh, energy factor. Well, if you poke holes in the energy factory, it gets less efficient. So it's like an engine, like a combustion engine in a car, right? It produces heat and it produces work or energy. The more efficient it is, the more work it puts out, the less heat, okay? It's the same with mitochondria. You know why fat burners are called thermogenics? Because they make you burn more calories, then it puts out more heat because your body is only so efficient. So those mitochondria not only make energy, they make heat. The uncoupling proteins poke holes so you produce more heat, less energy. That means I need to eat more fat and carbs just to fuel my body to stand here. So it makes the body less efficient. You produce more heat. So you need more calories to get the same job done. So you burn them. And then what we further found is that what you follow a meal with changes the uncoupling protein regulation. If you follow a high protein meal, you get a further boost in uncoupling proteins. If you follow a high carb meal, you get a drop. Your bureau is still elevated. Metabolism is still elevated, but you get a slight drop. So, so, so the main way that fasting works, and you know, we all used to think, well, if you fast, it's going to slow your metabolism. It's quite the opposite. It actually enhances your metabolism due to producing more of those coupling proteins. So, your body's less efficient. You need to burn more calories just to do the same thing. Sitting here, you're burning more calories. If you're doing intermittent fasting because you're producing more than coupling proteins. And then, so what I do is I follow it with my first meal is just a high protein, low carb meal because it further helps to boost those coupling proteins. And then I have carbs or not later. So the intermittent fasting plan that I follow is for the 16 to 8. So you fast for 16 hours. It can be any 16 hours of the day you want. And then you eat for eight consecutive hours. But once your eight hours is up, it's up. You can only eat in that time window. Now, I usually recommend training in your time window. And you can do this, it can be any time of time of day, doesn't matter. My example is I, I eat at 4 p.m. every day. I eat from 4 to 12. Why do I do that? Well, I find that I eat more at night. I'm busy in the daytime. So, with intermittent fasting, it's really nice because I wake up in the morning. I don't have to go, what am I cooking for breakfast? I jump right in the shower. And then I'm out the door. I don't even have to worry about lunch. Five minutes, good. So, it's very convenient 
I go through the day, I don't have to stop for lunch, I don't have to cook anything, I get a lot done. And then four to midnight, when my cravings tend to hit, is when I get to eat. And you know, like I said, I've been so busy that so a lot of times it's four o'clock, I don't even realize it. You know, it's not like you, people think, oh my God, how do you do that all day without eating? It, it, you actually get so used to it, you feel better you know, those times where I give a talk in the morning and I'll think, you know, maybe I'll just have breakfast just so, you know, I've got some carbs and be speaking. And I feel horrible, horrible. You get, you get very used to it. So it doesn't, you know, you don't really get hungry after a while. And the nice thing is, is, you know, people say, well, how long can you do that for? It actually is very healthy. It's been shown to enhance immune function. It helps with jet lag. I use it really great for me because of my travel all the time because one of the cues, you know, again, I study, like I said, I study a lot of environmental uh, medicine, so knowing the body clock is critical, but the, you know, the way, the way that, uh, I guess I better, better shut up pretty soon because I'm running out of time, but, but you know, the, the way that the body works with food cues is like light cues. So when you get used to eating at a certain time, I eat at 4 p.m. every day. So when I travel, I don't eat until I get to that new time zone. I eat at 4 p.m. in the new time zone. It sort of gives your body the cue that, oh, hey, it's 4 p.m. Oh, this is when I have my first protein. It helps your body recognize that, yeah, my 24-hour clock may not be different based on the 24-hour clock where I am, but instead of having to wait weeks to catch up, those food cues help spur your 24-hour clock to recognize it, and then you basically unite as jet lag. So, so there's many, many benefits. It's, it's really interesting because, like I said, people used to think it's the most unhealthiest thing you can do. It turns out quite healthy. What's your name? Brooke. Nice to meet you, Brooke. Yeah, I typically train. What I typically do is at four o'clock, I have pre-gym and pro-gym, and then I train. So you don't eat food though before you train? Just the, I mean the pro, I mean, it's, right. you know, I, I could have milk or cottage, you know, I just prefer to get, the, you know, some form of dairy protein in there around workout. Yeah. I work about at 5 o'clock in the morning, and then I break my fast, I take the pre-gym, the post-gym. I've also been taking the fast digestive approach, but I'm not doing that then. Because I'm not working. Let's see, say, tell me, give me the breakdown again. I take the pre-gym. Yeah. What, wait, what time is your fast? I, I work out at 5, so then I take my pre-gym while I'm working out. So you're fasting? Right. I'm, I'm, Until that point. I'm breaking my fast at the pre-gym. Yes, yeah. And the, but you said uh, you should have more protein and less carbs when you break Yeah. So should I not be taking So is that your post-workout meal though? My post-workout is I have four eggs and then I also have two scoops here of uh, protein. And then the, post, the um, post-workout. But I've also been taking the fast digesting. But with post-workout, not with pre-workout, right? Yeah, only the post. Because you're doing the protein free, right? Then you're working out, then you're not getting carbs till after workout. So, right. Yeah, so you've already started the high protein meal. Okay. So you're good. That's exactly what I did. So we're, we're pretty much out of time. So, can everyone who asked me a question raise their hand? Would you guys mind standing up? All right, so whoever asked me a question, I brought product. You guys can come down. And uh, I've got uh, pre-gym, post-gym, pro-gym, help yourself.